Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for based on cox analysis of ookla speed test intelligence data q3 2022 and cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details Welcome back to A Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. Yes, it's a Friday and I'm here with Jim Orr and Brian Degnan. I'm sitting in for Laura and people will be sick of the sight of me, Brian, and the sound. Sick of the sound of me as well. How are you guys doing? Very well, thanks, Paul. Very well. And um, Listen, I'm a man who people are often sick of the sight of, so I totally sympathise. No. Jim, um, tell me, are you enjoying the World Cup? First and foremost, is it something that that piques your interest? I know that you're a Scotland fan. Do you, um, you know, 
tune in? Do you watch four games a day? What's your experience of the World Cup, Jim? Well, before I answer the question, I apologise for last time I was on because I was sniffing all the time. I didn't realise how, how bad how it was. How dare you? <laughs> until I saw the comments. and uh, So I shall mute myself. In fact, for the whole hour. Just, just, <laughs> easy. Keep uh, everybody happy, yes. Because I'm, I'm still sniffing. So anyways, World Cup. Uh, no is the answer to that. Uh, I've actually found something the other night, which was great. Uh, if you go into BBC Catch-Up, they've got something called Mini Highlights. I don't know if you've seen this. No. And it's like... Between three and five minutes, and that's it. Right? Do I have to watch pundits? Do I have to watch, you know, highlights are not very good? Three to five minutes. In fact, one of the games I think was only two minutes. So obviously that was when the highlights were there. Uh, I had a rant a few weeks ago, Paul, about the World Cup and the fact that, you know, it shouldn't be where it is, and mm. the reasons have been well documented for, for that. It shouldn't be at this time of year. I mean, just... I mean, you think all the football fans around the world are inconvenienced by this. And that's people who who like their national teams, who support their national teams, but we're all getting messed about. And it's ridiculous. And it's a real kind of bizarre feeling this, you know, past week, past couple mm. of weeks and the next few weeks or so. So I've watched these mini highlights. Uh, and I think once I go into the kind of the nitty gritty, I maybe watch a few games. I think Spain, Spain, Germany on Sunday has got someone at stake after the Germans lost their opening game. So if there's games with someone at stake as it gets to the knockouts involving the big guys, I'll start watching it then, but I, I really can't get into it at all. It's just, it's, it's just the wrong place, the wrong time of year, and why it was awarded to them is a scandal. It's all part of the, the stuff that's been happening in FIFA for the last number of years. And the fact that we just sat back and let it happen. I mean, I think there was other countries like, I think the USA bid for it, didn't they? And Australia bid for it. And I get the point, you need to take the World Cup around the globe. I totally mm. get that. But, but there are certain places you don't take it to. And it's a small country. And they had no stadia at the time. And obviously, again, well documented how they actually went about getting the stadia built. And they're all quite close together. You know, so it's not like a typical World Cup where if you're a fan and you go to a certain country, you're traveling all about the country and it's a big, big thing. I don't think it's a big thing. And I think it's lost a lot of its value. And I think that, that part of my rant a few weeks ago was, was the fact it used to be a special thing because there was no TV back in the day. Not, not no TV back in the day. There's very few live matches. But World Cup was the one that was live mm -hmm. and who is it going to be watching this World Cup well there's Messi there and there's Ronaldo there and there's Neymar you see them all the time you know, that's true you see them every week of the year so mm -hmm. it's not a special thing and as I said last time for you youngins out there we had never seen Pele live we had never seen Johan Cruyff live we had never seen Maradona live and all of a sudden you've got two, three, four weeks of football live and you're going to see Johan Cruyff and the excitement was, was, was fantastic. But I remember, mean, I'm thinking because I was younger, but it was dead exciting back in the day. This isn't exciting because what you'll tend to find is that a lot of the club sides would beat most of these national teams. You know, if you beat PSG and Barcelona, Real Madrid, they'll beat Germany, they'll beat Spain. So that's a rather long-winded way of saying no. <laughs> no, that bothered. The, the thing is, though, Jim, I, I also looked back um, really fondly at World Cups in the past. I've spoken about, I, I don't know, maybe my reference, my point of reference will be a wee bit similar to yourself, Brian. I look at the 86 to 1990 World Cups as being my introduction to the tournament and they were a bit special. All I'm doing during this particular tournament is I'm keeping an eye on the Celtic players and a couple of the ex-players. You know, I want to see Van Dyke. I want to see Frimpong if he gets the game. I know he's a bit of a wild card in the squad. Um, and that's all I'm doing. I'm just keeping an eye on the Celtic 
uh, players, Brian. So it has lost a lot of the allure. And that's before we get into the cheating and the corruption and everything else, which, you know, if anybody out there thinks for a moment that uh, cheating and corruption can't be done in Scottish football, you just need to look at who put on this World Cup. Of course it can. Absolutely. And it's interesting with this World Cup because there was so much, usually before the World Cup, there's like, there's so much excitement about it and it's very colourful and there's, you know, street parties and people in the gardens drinking and, I mean, I live in England and there's usually England flags all over the place at the international tournament and stuff and there's been none of that. And I, I don't really like the politics surrounding it because I, th- I think you just get in a rabbit hole and it's a bit he said, she said at times. Like, I get the points about it being in Qatar and stuff, but the fact that it is, I don't think it's right to go over and tell people what to do and what's right and what's wrong because it's the same as here, right? So I try and detach myself from that side of things and just look at it as a tournament itself and I just don't care. And it's not just because Scotland done it, like, it's, it feels like, it's, it feels like they went a break and it's that international friendly zone. I can't even, my brain can't quite get my head around this is how, this is the World Cup, you know? Mm. Don't get me wrong, if Scotland were in it, I'd probably be doing cartwheels with my kilt on down the street. So, like... <laughs> Is that, is, that, is that wise, cartwheels and a kilt? That depends. I'm not a shy boy, so we'll see. But, um, is that a thing you do, Brian? Just just as a matter of interest. Just... It's something just dating a, a Friday. I might date after right. that. Good to know. I won't date on the show. I won't date today, so don't worry, don't worry Andy. I'm going, to ask Kevin, I'm going to ask Kevin Graham to write a poem called uh, Cartwheels and a Kilt. Cartwheel. All about you, Brian. Yeah, it sounds um, like a film, doesn't it? Um, it does. <laughs> yeah. So just for the, the, the viewers watching, it won't happen anytime soon. So the way I see loads of people unsubscribing. Um, but yes, in terms of World Cup, not really that interested. In terms of the players there, um, it's always good to see, but it, it's such a hard gauge, isn't it? To like, because I saw J- Japan get the result the other day, and I was really excited, and I saw me they took off, and you go, well, what do you learn for that? Nothing. I'm almost like, I'm always watching it to make sure they don't get injured. The players, I'm, I'm more concerned about them coming back injury-free and then what we do. And I think that, you know, given the um, given how Angie started approaching this window already, it feels like I'm getting more excited for the season starting as opposed to this international super event that's happening. No, no, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, today's fixtures, uh, in relation to a Celtic state of mind, we've got... Um, Carter Vickers's uh, America playing England, whether or not he'll feature, we'll find out. And obviously the two Dutch boys that I mentioned earlier, uh, previously Celtic players, will be playing Ecuador at four o'clock. Um, so who knows? Uh, but Jim did speak about Pele, Cruyff and Maradona. And instantly, Jim, it brought up this um, memory of a story in relation to John Clark. And this went back to, I'm trying to remember who told me this now. Who was the big guy? Who was the big guy that scored two own goals in his debut, Jim? Willie Garner. That's the boy. Willie Garner. And I'm chatting away to Willie Garner. Seriously, Brian, he scores two own goals. Was it against St Mirren, I think, on his debut? Yeah. Yeah. Um, He blames Pat Bonner. Anyway, I was speaking (laughs) to Willie Garner and he was telling us that they um, they were in the States, they were in New York in 1981. And there was a tournament over there. And all they did was they went over to Central Park and they just found a bit of grass and trained. Nobody bothered them. I don't think anybody knew who they were. And then after training, they go back to this this apartment block and they're in a lift and they're going up and up and up and it stops at a flooring and walks 
Edson Arentes, Dino Cemento, better known as Pele, and he recognises John Clark. Why was Pele in the lift in 1981? He was in America for the premiere of Escape to Victory. That film, Escape to Victory, which he was in, he scores a great overhead kick in that game, by the way. Um, but he speaks to John Clark. He recognises him because, of course, remind me, Jim, when it was, but Scotland played Brazil. And 66, yeah. 66, 66 yeah. And, Stevie Chalmers um, scored, yeah. And I think Stevie Chalmers swapped jerseys with Pelly after the Indeed, game. Yeah. And yeah. he recognised John Clark in the lift. And uh, there you go. But yeah, it was Willie Garner that told me that story. Um, the underwater cabbage salesman, still the best username on YouTube. Good afternoon, Axon, boys and girls. Troops in hoops. And we've also got uh, Ben515 coming in on the, the YouTube chat as well. Get involved. What do you think about Celtic's transfer strategy? Since Andrew's come in, we're going to be having a wee chat about that as well as the half-term report. How well are we doing? How well are the new recruits settling in? And how well is Ange doing overall? Keith Oakden, afternoon all from Plymouth. Keith, thank you for your support. You've been a long-time viewer of the Celtic State of Mind. Alan, thank goodness it does appear as though I'm getting back to normal because I have been sounding a wee bit like Darth Vader over the last couple of days, Jim. And um, as you define know, normal, define normal. <clears throat> exactly. Ah, you define normal. You uh, and Boy Martin, who has appeared on the show quite a few times, is also in on the chat. So let me know your thoughts. We are going to be talking about transfer strategies now, Jim. You've been watching Celtic for many a year, and tomorrow there is an unveiling of a statue for Caesar. Um, and Big Billy, um, it, it's been a, a plan that's been running for years. These things take an incredible amount of fundraising. Billy McNeil's statue is going to be unveiled in his hometown. Um, if we go back to Billy McNeil's time as a gaffer, Jim, both times I would suggest, the transfer strategy, you know, back then was we, we, we mainly bought players from the Scottish game. And it's second time round, he starts dipping into the the other markets by bringing in guys like Jackanowski and Dovjek, etc. But it seemed a lot simpler back then. But it was basically there was no debt. Um, whilst Billy McNeil was a manager of Celtic, so if we found a player, we had to finance it, and we went out and we bought a player. Um, how have things changed? What cycles have we gone through since then, Jim? Well, I could spend an hour on that one. That's a good, good opening one. Uh, just, just to also to mention maybe the fact that um, one of his first signings, if not his first signing, was Murdo. Uh, I just saw the thing on Twitter this morning. Murdo's at the hospital after 103 days after heart surgery. So that's really good news straight away. Uh, Murdo's one of my one of my favourite players. That was one of my favourite teams. Billy McNeil's first time around with Davy Proven, signed Davy Proven, signed Murdo, signed Frank McGarvey, etc. Yeah, back in the day, it was all local. Uh, players that you signed a lot of the times it was players who played well against you and you think we'll go and sign them because we, again getting back to this idea of uh, a kind of insular look that not only was no, was no TV you would never contemplate buying somebody from out with mm. Scotland maybe the odd forage in the UK but basically nothing out of the UK so it was only I think was it maybe when, when Tom and Van Hodot and the guys came in that was maybe the first first time into those kind of markets uh, First time round, really exciting Celtic team under Billy McNeil. Loads of good signings. He's a really good eye for a player. Billy McNeil, same as when he was at Aberdeen as well. Things went a bit pear-shaped when he went down south. Second time around, again, really good buys going into the centenary season. People like Chris Morris and Andy mm -hmm. Walker and uh, 
and Mark Avenie coming back and Joe Miller, etc. And that was a kind of I'm actually doing a bit of research just now for my for my next play. <laughs> we plug Benno at the bonnet. Uh oh, with the takeover it. time. And uh when you look at the centenary of the season, it was a kind of one off. And we know that eighty seven, eighty six, eighty seven, David Hayes should have been given money. Get back to the point you're making there. Should have been given money to make signings, didn't give him the money. Billy Mayo got some money, not a lot of money, and made some really good signings. And then after the Morris Johnson thing, everything just collapsed in a heap. Mm, so mm. Uh, question about who you sign, uh, what's really good about Ange is that he's a bit of a thinker, he's a bit of a planner, a bit of a strategist, I think. Uh, he puts a lot of thought into things. Uh, and he's not for what we did in the past with this kind of like, you know, last day of the window, scrambling about, trying to bring somebody in on loan. I think it also helps he's got a chief executive Who's who's on his side? Who yeah. who tends not to meddle? Uh, I think uh, I think he's bought very smart. And hasn't hasn't spent a lot of money, you know. In the past, of and things like that, you don't always get what you pay for. Although people say that. I mean, you look at a Yeti, Barcazzi. This world spent a lot of money, not a lot of returns. I think Big Ange spent really wisely. He's looked at markets we haven't been in before. Japan mm-hmm. been. The obvious one, and after the other day, I think you know, I think we're going to a lot of teams looking to Japan. Uh, the rumours that we're after this boy from Canada, so you think, oh, Canada, that's a kind of new one as well. Uh, aye, he's bought really well, and if I brought the Japanese centre back in as well, coming up, and maybe this Canadian boy, pretty good, pretty, pretty good. Uh, so pleased with what Ange's done, more than pleased, you're, you're, you're stunned at how well he's done when you take how much we've spent on transfer fees and some of these players and the quality we've got. And it's been good value for money. And they've all got a massive resale value as well. And mm-hmm. and my hope is we can keep them for another season. It'd be good to have Matt O'Reilly and Hitati and then Yota there for this. And one more season would be good. And I think that's the big concern about the transfer window. It's not so much, you know, it's always good to get rid of people you don't want, but you don't want to get rid of people that you want to keep. You know, JP and I had a good chat about this yesterday, Jim. So some of the points you've raised there, is what I was kind of thinking. And I've said before, I, I would love Celtic to keep a hold of a side and allow it to evolve. Um, and I know we can't keep players for five, six or nine years. Um, you know, generally we can't do that because it gets to that sweet point where we're able to sell them, make a massive profit and hopefully reinvest it. But a couple of points you made there when Billy McNeil, with regards to his signings, um, absolutely, you know, it was the 10 men winning the league season, wasn't it? where he's come in and he's bought Murdo McLeod. I think it was a hundred grand from Dumbarton. And uh, he, he bought David Proven as well. Yeah. David Proven. Uh, you know, homegrown Scottish footballers who come in. He was also in for uh, Graham Sharp at Dumbarton. Um, he obviously mm. went down to Everton. And I was going to say as well, in his second spell, Jim, he's obviously went down south. And he's got that experience at Man City and Aston Villa as a manager. But it's mm-hmm. almost as if he brought a wee bit of that knowledge up because we were, you know, we were buying Chris Morris from Sheffield Wednesday, who at the time, I don't think I knew much about him, but Billy had seen him in a reserve game. Um, Frank McIverney, we knew about him. He'd played with St Mirren, but obviously we were able to price him from West Ham. He didn't sign Mick McCarthy. It was a David Hay signing, strangely yeah, enough, yeah. but he yeah. knew Mick McCarthy from their days at Man City. So things yeah. were evolving a wee bit, but... When you compare that to where we are now, Brian, the markets we're operating in, it's almost as if no market is off limits. And look at the players that he's pulling out. You know, 
we, we spoke at the, earlier in the week about Haksabanovic and the impact potentially that he's going to make in the second half of the season. Uh, we don't know yet what Abogar's going to bring to the table. Um, obviously, the, the Japanese imports have been tremendous, other than Adeguchi, uh, for, for various reasons. And how impressed have you been, Brian, with, with the strategy that, that Angie's brought in? Because it's been a game-changer, isn't it, since he's came in? Well, I think what's the, the most impressive part is it's not as much... This, not, I don't actually think the strategy's changed too much in terms of the type of transfer model we're using. And I'll explain why I think that. But I think what has changed is the way he's doing it. I think he's doing it properly. I think he's doing it the way it should have been done all along. And I think the fact that he's preparing players, in theory, we could have two players on the 1st of January at the club, one of which will be training with the players for a month. Mm-hmm. That's exceptional planning. That's the best version of what we do, is identifying where we need to strengthen, getting it done months in advance, in terms of the preparation and then get them signed right away. None of this last day loan deal stuff. There's a real clear vision. And I think the other thing I'm really impressed at is in any other season or under another team, if we were selling, potentially selling a right back, a star right back, we'd be going, oh no, why are we selling them now? We should be holding on to these players, blah, blah, blah. People are going, Guy Fikad, I've not really heard of. I think he'd be fine. Bye, Jora. And, and I think that's quite good. And that's indicative of the fact that people have got such faith in um, and Ange and what he's doing and if we get you know 15, 16, 17 million for Juranovic after paying 3 million for him mm. in, in, in an 18 month over like, period that's incredible that's great work um, Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with Cox Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. But that brings me to why I think our model hasn't actually changed. I think Andrew's just doing it better. So if you look at what we've done or tried to do under Lowell and under Lennon, Rogers, whatever, um, regardless, irrespective of who you think was actually signing the players, it was young players that we can possibly get the unpopular leagues Try and improve them, set them on for a value. That's exactly what Ange is doing, but he's doing the best version of it because he's mm-hmm. not just getting good players because they're good. He's getting good players that fit exactly his system. He's getting players that he identifies as fit in with the dynamic and he's preparing it well in advance. So I don't think the transfer strategy has changed too much. I just think this is the best version of it. And I think you're seeing that at the types of guys like he has probably like Yerabadas, you know, things like that that they can contribute, but there's plenty of time to mature. Mm. The only slight, it's not a concern, but the only thing I'd like to see done a bit better moving forward is the ages of some of the players we sign. So um, Kobayashi coming in at 22 is, is kind of ideal. Maybe wanting him to be a, a year or two younger because you spoke earlier, Paul, about trying to hold a player for four or five years and then sell them. If you can see a, a really promising 19-year-old and start them every week, you're going to hold on to them for longer. That's a uh, Canadian lad. If he's 24 now, 
you'd got you've got maximum three seasons if he does well before he's off. See me Rabbit, see me um Yakimakis. These guys in their sort of mid to late twenties, you're getting them at peak, so you've got them at peak time, but if you get them a little bit younger and develop them more and then sell them on, you get a bigger selling value, you can probably keep them longer and it attracts more players to your club. And if you couple that with what I hope will be a better academy structure, that should go hand in hand. So I'd like to see just a bit more alignment, but that's been a bit greedy because if you compare it to a couple of years ago, mm. it's not day. Yeah, it is. And by the way, Jim, you're doing so well not sniffing on, I know, on the, the show today. A couple of quick points. A couple of quick points, Paul, just to get back to that. One's, one's about the old days, one's about now. Uh, back in the day, we talk about Murdo McLeod saying, I think when they, he came from Dumbarton, I'm pretty sure Dumbarton were in the, the old second division. Right? So we went down a league. Comarnock, I'm not sure whether they were in the top or the other second division at that point in time. That's nowadays, that's like saying they play for Morton and going straight in the team. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how different things were back then. Another thing you mentioned, Paul, was that that sweet spot, I think you said, a kind of optimum time when you sell a player. And I'm fascinated how Andrew's going to do that. Because he plans so far ahead, there will be a time when he thinks, this is the optimum time to sell this guy. Mm-hmm. Because we've had our fingers burned in the past with a, and Cham, who apparently, you know, Porto or something were interested in paying 14 million for him. We end up giving him away. Boyata, was not nine million at one point. Yeah. So I think Ange will have a plan that says at some point we will we will sell this guy because the optimum or the optimum time to sell this. And I know I'll get slagged for this, but Abada last season was unbelievably good. Unbelievably good. If it wasn't for Abada, we wouldn't have won the league. Right. I think that's a great player. I don't think he's a winger. Right. But the optimum time to sell Abada is maybe now. <laughs> you know. But I think you would get so much flack for selling him now. Mm-hmm. Because you're thinking because I thought at the end of last season, could he have another season as good as that? This season he's doing really well, maybe not as good. So, 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 you know, when is the best time to sell somebody like him? Is it now? Or do you hang on? Because the chances are he won't play as good in the future. I'm not saying sell him. <laughs> Don't slag me. I'm just saying it. But in terms of a question, when is the optimum time to sell a bad Yota, Hatati? When is that? Because Andrew will know that. And when Ange does that, I think we have to have faith in the big chap that says he knows that's the best thing to do, even though we'll be, we'll be heartbroken to lose a Yota or a Hatati. But I think that'll be fascinating because he is thinking that far ahead. He will know when to sell them. Well, he has kind of, kind of hinted at that. Was it was it last week where he was saying that, you know, fans get really attached to some players, but mm. your favourites may go. So I think it's very clear that, you know, if there's a better option or if a player is unsettled or whatever, I don't think he's got... You know, I'd said a couple of weeks ago, uh, I don't know if you were on, Jim, but I said I think he's really ruthless. And I think, oh, you know, you go or even McGregor, if he thinks there's a better player there that's going to do well on that team, I think mm-hmm. he'll replace you. Which is exactly the attitude the Celtic manager you should have. You should mm-hmm. always oh. want everyone to improve all the time. So I'm Definitely. kind of mm-hmm. to your point about Abada, again, if you compare it to previous seasons when we sold Abada, we'd be saying, oh, we sold our best player with all these why should we not hang on to kids but I think now I'm just getting credit at the bank where we go do you know what if a badder does go there's a Haxabanovich to come there or there's mm-hmm. a maybe a potential Jota popping up or there's an O'Reilly we've never heard of or, do you know what I mean mm-hmm. but I actually think people will be a lot calmer about things like with this Absolutely. guy with this guy Kobe Ashley coming in left fifty centre back 22 five year deal nobody's heard him but everybody's excited because you think Ashley was a player can't wait to see him and his transfer record 
average is ninety percent excellent. I think maybe McCarthy question marks have he signed him? Eddie Gucci we're not sure about. Um, I think otherwise he's he's pretty much nailed it. And yeah. I think that, again it's credit to him and the, the planning. Um, I think you're also spot on, Brian, about how ruthless the big chap is because he comes across as cuddly uncle. But if you saw that Australian clip where he's in the changing room and he's and he's banging the wall and he's shooting and swearing at him, you don't get to where he is without being ruthless. No. And behind the scenes, up up kind of front, he's a curly big guy. Back there, he, he won't he won't take. I mean, he won't he won't stand for any nonsense. He won't suffer fools gladly, you know. And, and it's good to have somebody like that in charge. Just just as is, is great. Uh, it is. It's really, really. Uh, um, for me, it's one of these things that what Brian said there. You know, even for you mentioning that we might sell a bad or the pitch fox will be out, Jim. However, Ange could probably get away with it, and this this Aye. is the incredible thing uh, that that's happened since he's came into the club. I'm going to bring in some some points um, from some of the co- the contributors on the chat, um, but yesterday I, I was taken a wee bit by surprise by JP because. He pulled the rug from under my feet. I says, you know, you're not going to be able to pick up a, an O'Reilly for one and a half and an Hattati for one and a half forever. And JP says, why not? Maybe he can. Because I, I don't consider that. I always feel that once a market has been tapped into, um, it's then saturated to a degree. So if we, we tap into certain markets, before you know it, the, the EPL and richer leagues are writing about it and they're bringing all these young players and putting them into academies. So JP, actually, I, I love that positivity because, you know, I think the proof is in the pudding in that um, Kobayashi's coming in free to charge Haxabanovich, who we've spoken about, two and a half million euros. So we do keep doing that. The business has been tremendous. But Jim... I'll tell you what, I was feeling really positive then. You just reminded me that we turned down £23 million for Olivier and Cham and Dedrick Boyata. £23 quid for those two players. That is astonishing. Uh, so thanks in for other, reminding in, in me. Any, in any other industry, that's, a, that's, that's something getting sacked. Oh, that's incredible. Mm. So, and that's why I think it's fascinating to see what the big chap's going to do. About, because at some point you'll, you'll maybe miss a boat on someone. You know, there'll be an optimum time to sell it, and I'll be fascinated watching how he actually does that. It certainly will be. Um, Brown Warrior, just to let you know, I do read the uh, the comments that come into the YouTube channel after the live. You made a very good comment yesterday in relation to a point I made yesterday talking to JP um, around something Liam Carrigan said a few months back or a few weeks back, whereby Ange doesn't necessarily need a talisman. He doesn't need a star man, a marquee player. He builds a team. And Brian, you and I have spoken about this. He builds a team um, so that if you take one element out of that team, it can be replaced. And um, I wasn't meaning that we don't miss Callum McGregor, but my point was McGregor leaves the side. We still have a 100% domestic record in his absence. JP made a good point that we missed them in the Champions League. Absolutely. But fair play, uh, Brown Warrior, for making that point. I'm totally with Jim, says Brown Warrior. And I'm abstaining from watching it. The World Cup, that is, out of principle. Don't want to be part of corruption in football if I can avoid it. Yeah, there's been a lot of people talking out about it, actually. Uh, Brian, what did you make of the Keane and, and Sunis interaction on the telly the other day? Did you see that? I, I did, I, um, I. I mean, I just... I, I don't want you to know too much about rabbit hole here, but I'm not sure you can you can see this World Cup's really corrupt and it's, it's terrible and really greedy and then watch the Champions League. Or the European Super League potentially because it feels like the same thing, right? I mean, I know there's caveats there, but I just uh, I, I'm not sure that 
people are unprincipled if they day watch it, if you know what I mean. But anyway, that's by and by. Um, I loved the, the wee, the wee sort of lover's tiff with, with Sunnis and, mm. and Keane. It was, it was quite nice to have a bit of a fire. I, I wasn't sure. I think um, I, I think Sunnis done him in a wee bit. If I'm honest, I don't like admitting that, but Keane... Keen, then he seen keen to carry on the conversation. Actually, but it looks like he sort of he sort of moved away. But I love that. It's great TV in it. It's um, it's good. That's what me and Colin what used to always argue on a Wednesday. No argue, but we always disagreed, and it was always nice. It's always a bit of, bit of fire, a bit of discussion. Um, although I'm going to be the right keen, he can be the soonest. I miss I miss my arguments with uh, Kev Graham on the pod. We need to do it far more often, but it is genuine when it happens. Another couple of really bad examples, Jim, of our strategy gone wrong, I think is um, when you look at the season 10, where we're going for 10 in a row, and we sell Jeremy Frimpong, who's obviously gone on to do so, so well. He's in the squad today. Um, And we don't really replace him. We bring in a a low knee from Everton. And, you know, it it was just that we're, we're going for 10 in a row and we're selling... A, a star player in Frimpong and I know that some people might not think he was the best defender in the world I certainly didn't but um, he was a star player we got 11 and a half million quid for him we didn't really re- replace him another one I think was we got ourselves in a situation where we, we had actually been bidding on two players we ended up getting them both it was Gadetti and, and Skepovic remember Gadetti comes in on loan Skepovic is a permanent he barely plays. We end up with two strikers, one of which we didn't need. Um, <clears throat> so another waste of two and a half million quid. So I think we have got over that. It's not going to be 100% perfect, um, but it, we're in a far better place when it comes to recruitment. Um, Susan Finlay. Happy Friday, boys. PJD, you're earning your money this week. Yes, it is my fourth appearance. So if you were looking forward, as I always do on a Friday, to hearing what Laura had to say, uh, to say, I'm sorry, I'm standing in, or I'm doing my best to stand in for Laura. Before we get on to any other chat, there's two things that I want to ask the last. Also, just to, just to butt in then, that's, that's why you're an award-winning podcaster. Thank you and good night. Oh, thank you very much for that. It's the first time I've been on since then. First time I've been on since you've won that award. I mean, oh. uh, I mean, the amount of hours you must put into this six-day week, you know, 12-hour days, phenomenal. So, well done. Well done, that man. Well, the thing with that, Jim, is, again, and I'm going to just spread that towards the rest of the contributors, every single person that, that comes in here, contributes, takes their own time uh, to build this thing that we call a Celtic state of mind. Um, I was I was um, taking that award. I was accepting that award on on behalf of everybody. And by the way, we are proud of it. There's nothing wrong about shouting from the rooftops. It's massive. We were up against big big players down there in Manchester. I mean, I've got a lot of respect for all the content creators. Thogden's got a, over a million subscribers on YouTube. I mean, these are big big players with you know incredible content. And we've gone down there and won the award. So I've got to thank everybody for supporting us. But I want both of you to give us a wee rundown of what you guys are up to we'll start with yourself Brian uh, you're down in Swindon but you are actively involved um, in the CSC down there and you guys are doing a bit of fundraising tell us about it correct aye that's right um, so on the 17th of December we're having a, a sort of charity event and um, Caitlin Tierney's coming down um, the always excellent Caitlin Tierney and she'll be performing um, it's a fiver entry. It's at the Tap and Barrel Pub in Swindon. Um, the whole pub's ours that day. We've, we've sort of took ownership of it. Um, but all the proceeds are going to go to local food banks and local charities. 
Um, and and the, the, the Swindon Shamrocks, that's the CSE. Great guys, we've been doing this sort of thing for years. Um, and so we're looking for, we've got some prizes to raffle off. Paul's very kindly donated a bunch of Axon merch, which I've got to be honest, I was tempted to keep because it's really good, but it's going to be raffled off. Um, there's a, a bunch of people going to some brilliant prizes. Um, and of course, we're going to be dating food and some money for food. And also, we're accepting. Uh, toys, we want to try and get a bunch of toys to give around to the food banks for, for some kids to get presents at Christmas that maybe they, they couldn't get. So it's really important. Um, everyone's invited. So I'm on social media, um, but you can reach out to the Swindon Shamrocks on Twitter or Facebook. Or if you can't get a hold of anyone there, I'm sure you can reach out to the Axon guys and they can forward it on. Um, you're more than welcome to come down. It's the 17th of December. It's always a great day. A good, good group at the and Swindon here, and yeah, have a good laugh. It's for a brilliant cause, as always, which everyone knows is, is is key to being a Celtic fan, is having that, that charitable charitable side. So, can't wait. Um, so, hopefully, see a few of you down there. 100%. Well done. Um, and obviously, we'll share the details on our socials as well, Brian. And like you were saying there, if anybody wants to get in touch with Brian, we can do it. We can work as a middleman. Um, next Saturday, we are recording a music video. Jim Orr, it's come full circle. We're recording a music video for our charity single. Uh, we will be in Glasgow. And the reason I mention this is that we might need people to appear in it. So if you're actually listening at this moment in time and you've always wanted to appear in a music video, we do have a narrative. We've got an idea. And um, I'll be putting that out in the socials as well. And I'll be mentioning it next week. If indeed we get the space we're looking for, we'll get everybody in get them all kind of like scarfed up and all that kind of stuff and uh, you could appear in a charity video that we're going to be promoting over the charity weekender the song has been recorded by the wakes with carly connor who's a phenomenal female vocalist she's incredible and it was a song written by jj gilmar of the silencers gary john kane of the proclaimers and we're going to release it and we're going to push it to try and get it in the charts jim imagine we got that single in the charts just trying to raise as much money as you can, Paul. Particularly this, this uh, uh, the way things are going uh, locally, worldwide. We're all a mm. bit, bit of a downer these days. So yeah, the more you raise, the better. So yeah, full support. It. Go for it. Superb. But I want before we move on, Jim. I want you to tell us. You, you mentioned uh, bend it like the bonnet. Something that I would, you know, pretty excited about because it's my era and I'm looking forward to it. But um, next year. It's Bend It Like Bertie. Tell us a wee bit more about that. The link's Ooh. under the video for tickets. Bend It Like Bertie Pavilion next February. Uh, 25% of profits going to the Bertie Legacy, uh, which was started by Friends of Bertie to keep Bertie's name. Uh, Bertie's uh, did a lot of work for charity, so uh, that's been set up for charitable purposes. Uh, and 25% profits going to Football Memories, uh, Alzheimer's Scotland project. Uh, so... Yeah, looking forward to that. The wonderful Des McLean, uh, the funniest man in the world, will be in that. Uh, speaking of football memories, a wee quick story, a kind of, really kind of heartwarming football memory story. I, I'm a volunteer coach for dementia football once a week. So basically people with dementia come in. So if anyone's watching and you live in the Glasgow area and you fancy you know somebody who's got dementia who would, who would benefit from this, please please get in touch with me. So do it once, once a week. A few weeks ago, we've got a new person comes along, a guy called Billy Campbell whose carer tells me he played for Motherwell in Northern Ireland in the 60s. So his kind of name rang a kind of faint bell with me. And you're thinking, well, he played in the 60s. 
there was, there was a famous game in the sixties for all you old people out there in nineteen sixty seven. Uh, when Ireland beat Scotland, Northern Ireland beat Scotland one 0 It was the George Best game, the Best Run Riot. So I thought, I wonder if this guy Billy Campbell played in that game. So you go and Google it. So it turns out he made his debut in the game against Scotland in the George Best game. So I get it on YouTube and I'm showing him it. He's got no memory at all of it. Which is really sad, obviously. But here's the guy who played in the game against Scotland. And on YouTube, there's a bit, Campbell's got the ball to best. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. He's got number seven on, and you're showing him this stuff, but it still didn't register at all. But uh, thought I'd mention that wee story. Benelik Bertie, Next February, uh, there, there's your Christmas present. You don't have to think too much about it. There's your ideal stopping for. So. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant, brilliant work you do, Jim. Shameless Excellent plug, story. shameless plug, shameless <clears throat> plug. Ticket uh, links under the video, um, ladies and gents. Now, you mentioned George Best. George Best sadly passed away on this day in 2005. One oh, of the greatest. Seamless link. Excellent. Yeah, one of the greatest. And um, yeah, there's great pictures of him. Uh, there used to be one in the Beards Bar, didn't there? Behind the bar of George Best wearing the Celtic centenary top. It was a charity game that he was playing. Superb. Um, the other day, uh, I think JP mentioned about our potential new signing which uh, was almost rubber stamped last night by Fabrizio Romano just going back to what Jim said earlier Brian Fabrizio Romano won an award that night that we were down last week he won an award we won an award I mean it was it's Champions League level we're absolutely humbled by it but he was talking about our new target Alistair Johnston like you were saying earlier 24 year old right back uh, Canadian internationalist currently with Montreal uh, transfer marked have them valued at about six million, but they also value Juranovic at the same there or thereabouts anyway. Um, and I, I guess my question is, Brian, are we able when we do cash in on one of our assets, like it looks as though we're doing with, with Juranovic, are we able to then push the envelope? And what I mean by that is that there's been two probably marquee would be the, the word uh, marquee signings. They didn't seem like marquee signings because we had them on loan for a year, but Jota and Carter Vickers, they're in a different category in terms of the finance. Um, are we going to start do that, doing that or are we going to continue to kind of operate in that one and a half to four and a half million pound category, do you think? It's hard to say. I think, um, you know, just just quickly, one of the, when you talked about George Best, one of the things that popped into my head, I mean, my mates used to always say it was the best Whatever he was asked one time, he was on a chat show and he said, um, I spent all my money on women 
fast cars and booze. The rest of it I just wasted. And I always loved that. I always loved that. It's always cracking up whatever I, I immediately think of that. Um, anyway, yeah, so back to Celtic. Um, I think we could do it. I just don't think we will. And I'm not 100% sure we should either. Because I don't think we need to. I think, and again, to go back to this, this sort of transfer policy being done the right way. Yeah, we spent six million on or six and a half on Jota and the Carter Vickers. They had proved they were they were worth that. And I still think if we sell both of them on, we're going to make profit on that anyway. But I don't think we can be saying like let's sign five players and draw six million. We're not we're not going to do that. We're not going to spend thirty million because it's too big of a gamble. Because although you can identify a player and you might say, Oh, he's rated at six million, that's great. You could get injured. Um, he might not perform well. I mean, certainly look at Barkas. Five and a half million for Barkas. You're not making that mistake again. And I know people get frustrated and say, "Oh, it's you know we should be spending more money, should spend more money." But it doesn't always guarantee success. Mm-hmm. I think if if there's a player who Ange feels is essential for us to move forward, I think the money's there to spend five, six, seven, eight, maybe even nine million if you feel strong enough about it. But I don't think just because you can spend that amount of money. You should. I think your scouting has to be better in identifying these guys. And again, the fact that you get Matt O'Reilly and Hitati for what combined three million pounds is staggering. And then you spent five million on Barkas. You, you see, it doesn't always guarantee success. So even though we can, I don't think we should. If I'm honest, I know we're popular for saying that, but I just don't think it fits the business model. I don't think it's especially smart either to just be throwing money and hope it fixes it. It's like when people talked about us going into the Champions League. And they said this year, oh, we should be spending 40 million. The 40 million we've got Champions League spent on players. And it's like, right back in, it doesn't guarantee you. And then what if you spend that 40 million and you do all right in Europe? Do you then spend another 40 million the next season just to do all right again? It, it doesn't work. You can only get incrementally better and have a strategy in place. And I would actually rather the money we spent on scouting and sort of the sort of um, assessing the, the recruitment talent base all over and getting that. We like top of market, so you can't compete with Man City. Say on, you know, the type of players they can afford, right? But you can compete on them in the type of scouting they can do. Mm-hmm. Right, you, you can if you want to invest money in it, and then by extension, if you're signing these guys in and selling them on, you can make them more money to turn it over, and then you've got that option in the bank if you want to spend a six, seven, eight million. But I don't think we will. I'm not sure we should, although we could. Yeah, I'm going to ask Jim because I know Jim, uh, you worked with figures you worked with numbers your whole your whole life one of the points Brian made there I found really interesting is when you're thinking about three of the biggest buys we've had in Jota Carter Vickers and Eduard we did the try before you buy deal didn't we I'm not saying that guarantees that the player's going to be a success but you know it does give you that cushion doesn't it It gives you the bridge between an unknown quantity that massive outlay financially and being at the club for a year uh, and then you buy them or a year and a half. Um, the other one that we didn't take the option up on was Paddy Roberts. I think he was going to cost six million quid at the time. We said no, and you also said no. It doesn't always guarantee success. Mm-hmm. Um, you have voiced your opinion on this before, uh, Jim, in that Celtic probably should never be buying a player for ten million quid, or should never be giving them twenty, thirty grand a week. Um, do you think the exception is? when you've got someone like Jota and Carter Vickers who has already proved that they're going to improve your, your side? I think it's a good question. I agree with Brian, everything Brian said. You can tell Brian's in finance himself because, you know, 
spending silly money will only end up, you know, with with with, with one outcome. I was I was astonished that we that we spent six million on both Carter Vickers and Yota. Astonished. And you have to give plaudits to the to the chief executive for for, 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 for backing Ange. I'm also fascinated in terms of how do you know who to go for and how, how much to pay? Because if you go back a couple of seasons there when we bought in Barkas for five and a half million, rather than going for somebody like the Dundee United, uh, Benjamin Siegel, say for a, mm. a million. So, so where's your thought process that says, I think he's worth spending five times as much and giving twice the wages for than, than going for Siegel? So... It'll be fascinating to to, to to see how Ange, again, fascinating to see how Ange figures that one out. Because he must be going to Michael Nicholson to say, I think Yost is worth six million. I think Carter Vickers is worth six. And if he wants to sign this new guy, I think he's worth whatever he's worth. And he'll be saying that with some logic behind it. Because he'll be saying, if we sign him for six, I guarantee we can double our money on him. Stand by me, I know what I'm doing. Because maybe in the past, we've spent money in players without that thought process. It's just, well, we need to buy a player... And that's what the player costs. And although I don't think it's a good idea to spend too much money on a player, because again, you have to watch the finances. And I think if you pay one player too much, then that will cause discontent amongst the other players. And the concern I have is Juranovic going, one assumes he's going to like double, treble, quadruple his wages. Mm-hmm. And once he tells the rest of the guys, by the way, I'm on X and you're on Y, that's going to cause a wee bit of dis, you know, a wee bit of disharmony in there. And that's what Ange has got to manage. And Ange said that before, it's not his job to keep people happy, but, but it kind of is. <laughs> it it kind of is. Otherwise, you know, everything comes down to money. No matter what you're talking about, everything comes down to money. So how much the players are on. And I remember one of the, one of the first times we did the, the Friday Bulletin, and Paul was, I, I mentioned Ryan Christie or something, and I said, he's on about this, and you said, no, he's only on... <laughs> Half of that, and I was astonished by that. I think Tom Rogic was on something like three times Ryan Christie's wages. Mm-hmm. So you then think, well, hold on, how do you, how do you, how do you balance all that up? That's quite a difficult challenge. And the last time, a couple of times before I was on, we were talking about, you know, what if Celtic, you know, into the league down south, and we bought a player for fifty million and we paid him like two hundred grand a week. How would you feel about that? I think there's levels to this. And I think if you say to fans, what would, what, would, what would you be comfortable with paying a player per week to play for Celtic? You've got a lot of different answers there. But the higher the number, then the more risky it's going to be for the club as a whole. Because if you pay one guy that, the rest of the guys will be forming a queue. He's getting that, I want that. Particularly if they're not performing. Because at the time we had this discussion, Ryan Christie was our best player by mm-hmm. a mile. Yeah. And Tom Rogers won three times his wages. And I think at times, as fans, we think things are all dead simple. Things are black and white. He's playing for Celtic. You know, on you go, on with it. He's rubbish, get rid of him. It's far more complex than that. Far, far more complex than that. And I have no idea, nor should I know, what the players are earning. But there's going to be disparities in there between a Yota and a Carter Vickers and a Greg Taylor, possibly, or a Tony Rolson, whatever. And if you're playing out your skin week after week after week after week, and somebody's getting two or three times what you're getting, Mm-hmm. So I think Ange, Ange knows that himself, but he does have to keep players happy, and, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about what we've done so far this season because a number of players who are not getting game time, they can't be happy as well. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's my my top ones worth of the finance. A few of the uh, suge- suggestions or examples rather of that, Jim, I think in recent times have been um, Armstrong 
leaves and goes down to the EPL and he's very tight with Kieran Tierney and Ryan Christie. Now, yeah. it's not as though we live in a little bubble and they guys don't talk when they're on international duty, etc, etc. And then it, it leads me back to the Lou McCary scenario where Lou McCary leaves Celtic for big money down in Manchester. But he's meeting up with the, you know, I think four or five Celtic players were part of the Scotland squad and he's winding big George Conley up about wages, you know. Yeah. And that that kind of thing does happen. The other one, I remember Fergus McCann getting an awful time because he wouldn't give De Canio what he wanted in terms of his wages. And mm-hmm. these players, the demands, Van Hooydonk, you know, he comes in, he, he wants more wages. So, yeah, it's, it's an absolute minefield when it gets to uh, try to keep everybody happy. And we are going to be talking about where we are at this midterm point of the season. But before I do that, something just to strike a balance from Stephen Ray, um, who thinks it's been a brilliant World Cup so far. A welcome break from domestic games, which isn't always a great watch. Granted, I don't get folk who only watch one club, league, and nothing else. Um, I remember there was a time where, you know, I would have like devoured every football magazine out there, including World Soccer. I would have known, you know, from the Panini football albums, players from every continent. My knowledge of English football was tremendous. I mean, somebody was asking me yesterday about that Wimbledon team that won the FA Cup. You could even tell me, tell them who the chairman was. And in time, that's changed for me. But I think it's mainly, Brian, due to the fact that my main focus has to be Celtic because that not only is it the club that I support and love and have a passion for, but obviously, you know, writing books, doing the podcast, I just focus on Celtic. So I'm one of these guys, uh, unfortunately, Stephen Ray, that only focuses on one team. Um, I can't get too excited about international or English football. Or even if there's a Real Madrid-Barcelona game on the telly, Brian, I, I don't watch it. People might think that's absurd because I'm a football fan, but I'm just all in when it comes to Celtic. Is that absurd to you, Brian? No, it's not absurd. I get it. I tend to watch other leagues and other games, to be fair. I like, I, I just like sports generally. So, like, like I like tennis. I know nothing about tennis, but if tennis is on, I'll always watch it. If snooker's on, I love watching snooker. I love watching snooker if I've got a hangover. It's the best thing in the world, right? I brew rolling The sound of those balls <laughs> in each other. It's serene. Yeah, we can't describe it. It's cool you know, time again. Yeah, I love um, like I, I like I don't really gamble, but I will put like an accumulator on sometimes. It's just like going meet the boys and put an accumulator on and watching, you know, Forest Green versus Scunthorpe and getting excited because you want to move to Scotland. So I like that side there and. I used to like watching the German leagues, um, so I'm, I'm I'm quite. I just like football and sports in general, so I tend to watch. But in terms of passion, yeah, obviously it's Celtic. And say so the reason, just to reiterate, I know there's loads of controversy about this World Cup. I- Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. I'm not watching it because I, it's weird to me. It doesn't feel like the World Cup. I'll probably watch the latter stages and if Scotland were in it, I'd watch it. But I'm just not that, that bothered. Um about watching it to be honest uh, but it's nothing to do with the stuff surrounding it and again yeah but listen trust me if there's anything you take away from today 
hangover snooker you thank me <laughs> I've never tried that um, I was told yesterday to get on the honey for my throat the old wife's tale is that you need a wee nip so we'll see what happens this weekend before we move on to this season I was going to ask you Jim again from the financial aspect the big change for Celtic I'm, I'm going to say in modern times was Martin O'Neill when O'Neill was in charge of Celtic we weren't buying players to sell them on for profit we were buying ready made players from one of the most expensive leagues in the world at the time and we're putting them in the Celtic side. And we loved it, and we enjoyed it, and we got to a European final. Uh, watch Jim's video on the channel, by the way, when we went to Seville. But that's not sustainable, Jim, is it? No. No, that only leads to one outcome, and we know what happened across the city if you keep doing doing that. And I think, I mean, we all love those times, and I think if you spend big money and you get success, then I think most fans would say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but there comes a point where you have to pay the piper, and I think... When Gordon Strachan came in, Gordon Strachan did a fantastic job. I think he's much maligned. Um, he was bringing in players for not a lot of money, guys like Paul Taylor and, and such like uh, Colwell, McManus, and these kind of guys. And, and he done a phenomenal job with the money he had. Got us through to the last 16 couple of times. So it's fun, but I mean, when you, when you stack their two records up, there's a kind of discussion point. You know, who's got, who's got the best record between the two of them? You know, so uh, yeah, that's that's not sustainable, and and somebody, you have to balance whether you like it or not. You have to balance the books. That's 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 the punchline. And whether you're talking about football or anything else in life, everything comes out of money, unfortunately, uh, and that's just the way it is. And uh, and that's what I think makes the football a bit more fascinating these days. And the point you made, Paul, about maybe the World Cup, I think it's an age thing. I think the older you get, the more detached, the more cynical you get about certain things. And and to pick up the point Brian made, it's about emotion. And if you're not emotionally involved, then it doesn't matter. And then for me, I only watch three teams. I watch Celtic, I watch their main rivals because the enemy of our enemy is our friend. So and I don't know what's got on. That's that's that. Uh, I used to watch back in the day, as I said, you get no live football. So so things like match of the day were were a big, big thing. Now you can watch any game you want, any time you want, and it's just too much. Far too much. So it's such a big choice, then you start, a bit like when you, when you try and pick a movie to watch in Sky, you're not watching nothing because you think, oh, I don't want to watch that, I don't want to watch that. Football games, unless you're emotionally involved, unless it means something. You know, I was at the the Ross County game the other week. Uh, I watched the game, the St Mirren game, and I had to leave to go to the game. And I got in just as uh, the nine minutes injury time were about to start. And everyone's huddled around the TV, dead excited. No other team, but... That result has an impact on us. So mm-hmm. dead exciting, dead exciting, dead exciting. Full time one each big cheer goes up. So so those are the games I watch. And I watch. I literally watch Spain and Germany this Sunday night because they've, they've both got to kind of win the game. I think so. They'll, so they'll come out all guns blazing. If Spain win the Ikea, no. If Germany win the Ikea, no. If it's a draw, the Ikea, no. I don't care. <laughs> and I think you have to care. And that's where you, for, for me and as is old guy speaking here. You have to care at 90 minutes or 90, 10, and 95 minutes when the whistle blows and you think, yes. To me, that's what football is about. Yes or, mm-hmm. or no. <laughs> no. Disaster because that affects you. Not just for that couple of minutes, but for the next week or the next month or the next whatever. And that's the thing about football because you hang on to things and you need to let them go quite quickly because if you go back to last season, there's just something popped into my head there. When Yakimakis missed that penalty against Livingston, that's the season finished. That'll be vital. That'll be this, you know. And mentally, you're thinking this all the time. You have to 
get rid of that. But that's what being a football fan is like. You think of these wee moments and think, God, that's going to be, oh, wish that hadn't happened. For me, that's what a football fan's been like, not watching Spain and Germany. Maybe entertaining. Oh, that's a good goal. Watch the sort of highlights of the Brazil game last night in the second goal. I mean, oh, that kind of, oh, that was good. But at the end of the day, am I that bothered? So it's another long-winded way of saying no bothered at the World Cup. No, you're right. It's the emotional element. Just before we, we move on, just because I, I love talking about Gordon Stratton's team because it was my, one of my favourite about Celtic sides. It goes back to the point we were making about the players you're buying. So he got us to the Champions League last 16 twice with Gary Colwell and Steve McManus at centre-back, right? Paul Hartley and Barry Robson were brilliant for us in midfield. Scott McNeilor, yeah, Telfer. Mm. Telfer, Maloney, McGree, right, or that team. And yet the players that were the expensive, the high-profile ones, Jiri Yarisic, Thomas Grabison, mm. never worked. So that just shows you that, he, you know, if maybe if he'd had Martin Rue's money, it might not have worked. It was the coaching and the organisation. No, I'm saying Martin didn't have that, but Gordon Stratton, I, I thought, you're right, I think he's an incredible underrated Celtic manager, and I think that should be an example of you don't always need to spend if your coaching's good. And Angie's coaching is incredible, as we've seen. Listen, I think it's a great example. that The one player, probably, because it, it went, it spanned from O'Neill's time into into Strachan's time was Craig Bellamy, whereby we all love Craig Bellamy when he played with Celtic, you know. Um, and I think that there, there was a, an opportunity to to turn that deal permanent and Strachan decided against it. And he's went away and bought three players, Nakamura, Boric and Zaraski. You know, whereas Bellamy was a Martin O'Neill signing every day of the week. That's the type of calibre player that O'Neill wanted. So yeah, I think it's a great example. Um, and it's a great debate, actually, when you stack up what both managers achieved at Celtic and who did the better job. That's a, that's a wee chat for another day. Before we get into a couple of quick-fire questions about this season, Dell is on the YouTube Afternoon Troops. I am delighted with the transfer policy at present. Well laid out and decisive. We are decisive. Getting it done early and what looks like the players signed are Ange signings. That's hugely important as well, no doubt about it. <clears throat> I mean, there's a few players. Paddy McCourt was not signed by Gordon Strachan, there's no doubt about that. And another player... Um, Again, that you mentioned about the flair or, or the marquee signings. Remember Massimo Donati, a guy of high, high calibre, didn't really work out under Gordon Strachan. Um, B is going back to when we started signing overseas players, changing our recruitment a wee bit. And he, you've mentioned a name there, Jackie Jackanowski. Um, and it was interesting because I, I don't know why we were talking about Jackie recently, but I did a wee bit of uh, you know, research into the old newspaper archives and I dug out this, uh, this article. Now, Jim, you might be able to remember this, but in the 1980s, there was a situation in Poland which prevented football teams from selling players overseas. I don't know why. I don't know what the political situation was. But at that time, Inter Milan were trying to sign Jack Anoski. Um, that, you know, that's how highly rated he was at that, that point. In 1986, I think it was, he was a World Cup star for Poland. We ended up getting him in 89. And he showed flashes of brilliance. I think he was a bit of an underachiever at, at the end. Um, right, so half-time report, I'm going to come to yourself first, Jim. I'm going to ask you who has been the best um, player that we have signed, the best bit of recruitment so far. I'm going to run through their signings this season. Maeda, because he came in permanently, Carter Vickers and Jota, Segrist, Bernabe, Jens, Moy, Haksabanovic and Abelgard. Who do you think out of that list has been the best signing so far, Jim Orr? Haksabanovic, I think uh, when he came on as subs, it was Ross County, he came on, he just looked dead cocky, just 
well built guy as well, skillful. Partly can play through the middle as well. Now starting to score goals. Exquisite finish for the Ross County game. Just looks like a really confident guy. Packs uh, a bandage for me. Good chat. I think JP said that yesterday as well. What do you think, Brian? Jens, I think he's he's a, he's a better balance at the back. He's a good height at the back, and he's really good with the ball at his feet. I think he looked a bit more solid at the back with him. Um, and I think you know, although he's actually a right footer, he's always played in the left. Hmm. And like Ange says, they're, they're a dime a dozen. We've now got two. So I would say uh, Jens. Jens, for me, has been the most impressive. So would you go Jens or Starfield, Brian? Jens. Yeah. I like yeah. Starfield. I like Starfield on the right, though, because I think he's too cumbersome trying to turn it on his weaker foot all the time. I think he's better in the right, and I think you'll actually see more of him. And I think he'll be a bit more, not regarded, maybe that's not the right word, but I think he'll be a bit more maybe praised if he's on the right-hand side because I think it really affects his game when he's trying to turn all the time on the weaker side. I'd go Starfield. I think Yanes looks really cultured, uh, but I think Starfield is a better defender. And I thought I thought Stephen Fletcher gave Yanes a really hard time the other week. Really hard time. Won a lot of balls in the air. Made him look quite un- uncomfortable when he get Starfield comes back, plays against Real Madrid in his first game back. I know he got humped, obviously, but he actually played really well. So um, I'll go for Starfield. It's a great situation now to be in. I, I sometimes oh, wonder, worry about oh, Welsh. I think maybe a loan deal would, would do him no harm in January. Um, I'll often look at the loan players. Some of these guys have been mentioned in the in the broadcast today. Barkas, Scales, Montgomery, Sorrow, Uruguidi, remember him, Ben Wiley, Kenny, Ayeti, Shaw, and Mikey Johnston. If there's one player, Jim, who's going to come back and have a future at Celtic from the loanees, who will it be? <laughs> <laughs> no idea I think, I think they're, they're out on loan for a reason uh, I think if the future they still be here I think it's uh, I don't know none of them none of them would be my because I, because you don't put players on loan unless um, you, could, you question their, their future again that's a fascinating decision at what point do you see you must go on loan I think I think we've got, we've got Welsh just now I mean I don't want to be too down in Welsh but I don't think he'll make it so I think in terms of going out and loan, possibly Welsh should do some shooting list, particularly if getting this, this new centre back in. But of the ones that you mentioned there, uh, and I'd noted them as well, and I was thinking, I think Mikey Jones is doing well, Barkas is doing well, but I just think the kind of those nah, I just I doubt any of them. Over you, Brian. Somebody's yeah, <laughs> the only one that I think may come back, given his age and the fact he's quite versatile on the left. Mm. But if I'm honest, I, I agree with Jim, I don't think anybody's coming back. Definitely. How many is that? That's quite a few players, about 10 players there. There's, there's 10 out loan, <clears> aye. Yeah. Also, I mean, if you look at somebody like Ayeti, Ayeti should be a good player. There's no reason why he shouldn't be a good player. No reason why he shouldn't come back and fight for a place, but he won't. So, no, that, that's, right. that's football for you. Yeah, that's football for you. Uh, right, seeing how it's a midterm report, um, you'll remember back at school when you used to get the report card. Give us a mark out of 10 so far for Ange Postacoglu this season, Jim. Domestically, nine out of ten. Um, Europe, yeah, six, six and a half. Interesting, Brian. Uh, I'd probably say domestically ten out of ten, just because of the league position, the way we've won. I don't know if we've had a few blips, but I think the consistency's been been pretty strong. Um, Europe's a, a funny one. I'll give it a a four with a wee smiley face because <laughs> I don't think it's it's, it's How'd bad. How'd you do that? I don't think it's as bad as a four, but he's kind of, kind of killed. Maybe they didn't win any games, so uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be 
slightly slightly more cynical than Jim on this occasion. I Listen. think also if you go, I mean, the reason I go nine out of ten, I think there's been a few games we've just we just got by with the skin of our teeth mm. because we're not taking chances. And I think in terms of putting points on the board, smearing apart, yes, it's 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 perfect. But I think missing all these chances at some point that might catch up. With. The club is in Europe, missing chances, but in in the league we've got kind of we've kind of got away with that. A lot of one goal victories. We need to start taking chances. That's why nine out of ten. Absolutely. We will re- revisit this at the end of the season. Um, it's been an interesting discussion, gentlemen. Thank you very much for your time. Always great to join you guys on a Friday. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved in the chat. If you haven't done so already, get subscribing to the channel. We're giving away prizes every month. This month, it's two tickets to see a big event at the Armadillo in May next year. It's a tribute to Vim Janssen and the boys who stopped the 10. Um, so we've got two tickets for that. All you need to do is subscribe. If you've already subscribed you automatically going to the draw as well. Also, if you want to go and see Bendit Like Bertie, ticket links underneath the video. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. Thank you to Brian and Jim for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad, because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. Discount time. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.